My brothers and sisters, it's good to be with you again. This is Bryce Ferguson, and this is Into the Word. This is the third week of our devotionals together, as I am doing abbreviated devotionals, as I am still in the process of being restored to full health, and I look forward to returning to Genesis with you next week. Let's pray and start with our passage today, which will be in Luke 22. Dear Lord, our Lord, majestic, loving, compassionate, merciful, gracious, and good, the one who sees all and knows all, the one who created us and sustains us and empowers us by your power that our life is sustained at every moment and at every second by your power. It is not in our power that we are sustained. It is not in our power that we are propelled forward. It is not in our power that we have any success or goodness or fortitude or strength. It is in your power in us, but that the power comes from you, that the power is given by you, and that the glory for it is given to you. We pray all of these things in worship of the name that is above all names, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Folks, open your Bibles with me to Luke 22. After three years of ministry, Jesus with his disciples, what would you think that the disciples would learn and would glean and would enrich themselves in wisdom and knowledge after three full years with the Messiah, walking with him? We talked about how Noah walked with God. He was a blameless man and that he walked with God. We know Adam and Eve walked with God in the garden. And these 12 disciples walked with Jesus on earth. And they got to marvel at God himself walking with them. And some of them, we pick up here in verse 24. After three years of ministry, Scripture says a dispute also arose among them as to which of them was to be regarded as the greatest. The disciples were quarreling as to who among them was the greatest. My, how they were deceived as to what was vitally important. Verse 25, and Jesus said to them, the kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and those in authority over them are called benefactors, but not so with you. Rather, let the greatest among you become as the youngest, and the leader is one who serves. For who is the greater, one who reclines at table or one who serves? Is it not the one who reclines at table? But I am among you as the one who serves. 
You are those who have stayed with me in my trials, and I assign to you, as my Father assigned to me, a kingdom, that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Jesus spoke there in the last three verses, folks, as something very future tense of what they were to experience on earth. And I believe, of course, is still future tense at this point here in June of 2023 on earth. And then in verse 31, continuing, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. This was Jesus' words to Simon Peter. And Peter said to Jesus, Lord, I am ready to go with you both to prison and to death. Jesus said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster will not crow this day until you deny three times that you know me. Folks, the world today is chasing after fame, notoriety, greed, lust, anger, division, self-proclaimment, self-magnificence, self-empowerment, more money, more fame, bigger houses, more stuff, more cars, more money, more money, more money. Better titles at work, more popularity in your social life, more status, perhaps, even in the church. I think about, yesterday I was thinking about the movie industry. And I think about television and how a lot of stuff now is digital subscription. And I don't have live television, but I watch occasionally a few things on TV, which tend to be really old TV shows because of the content. And I think about how much crap is promoted now. Digital subscription, TV, as in like a show that has repeated episodes, so many for a season, or a movie. And if it's crap, I turn it off. And if it's crap like yesterday, I turn it off in the first couple of minutes because it took the Lord's name in vain. And the Bible says, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. What else does the word say? It says that the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. And we are to be set apart for God's glory. We are not to operate by the mechanisms and the processes and the methodologies of those of this world. We are to be holy and set apart as to the Lord. We are to have a completely different set of operating procedures than that of this world. Because this world is chasing their own pride. And by definition, that is in opposition to the will of the Lord. And the Lord 
our God calls us to be holy, to be set apart, to operate and to think and to love and to be moved and to be, to be compelled by his laws, by his thinking, by what moves his heart and his mind that he loves the world so much so that he gave his one and only son that whomsoever would believe in him would not perish for all eternity, but would have everlasting life. That means to be with God for eternity. This is what moves the heart of God. The movie industry the TV industry, the production industry, there are good things in it. And series like The Chosen, which magnify and tell the story of Jesus and tell the story of the gospel and tell the story of God. And it's not 100% accurate to the scripture. And I will be the first person to tell you that, but I will also tell you that it has a physical manifestation of Jesus that is very compelling. Yes, we do not know what Jesus actually looked like on earth, and that's not what's important. What's important is how it represents Jesus to us and to the world. And that is to the glory of God the Father, and that is to love other people to follow him. The invitation is always to follow him. Come, follow me. Do you believe to have faith and to follow Christ? Let's look at this scripture here. A dispute arose among the disciples as to which of them was regarded as the greatest. They wanted to know, in either in God's eyes or in their own eyes, which of them was the greatest. And even if that meant which of them was the most obedient to God, that was still utterly and completely wrong in God's eyes because that means they were seeking pride. They were seeking status. They were seeking titles. God is not about that. Our Lord God is about his glory. It is all about God's glory. That is why the people of God are called to operate by a completely different set of principles, by a completely different mindset, by a completely different heart compulsion, that our heart, that our love would be ultimately and far away for God alone, and then secondarily for others. But that difference between our number one love and our number two love is intense. Jesus said, unless you hate, and hate was an illustrative word there, it was not a literal word, unless you hate your mother and your father, your sister and your brother, compared to me, you are not worthy of me. And what Jesus was saying there, again, it was not literal that you were not to literally hate 
your father and your mother and your sister and your brother, because scripture affirms that in so many other areas. But it was illustrative to say that God alone needs to be your God. That you cannot elevate your mother, your father, your sister, your brother to the position of God in your life. Because God alone is God, the first commandment. And when the disciples were arguing among them which of them was the greatest, Jesus responded in verse 25 that the kings of the Gentiles, those of the world, exercise lordship over them, and those in authority over them are called benefactors, but not so with you. He is drawing a distinction. We do not operate as the world operates. We are not under the same order that the world is under. In illustration, he says, let the greatest among you, let those who aspire to greatness, what does he say? Humble themselves. Let the greatest among you become as the youngest. Have you ever been the youngest? Did you ever sit at the kids' table when there was a family gathering? And there was the main dining room, and that's where all the adults sat, and that's where the older children sat if there were enough tables, and you were the youngest, so you sat at the kids' table. Depending on if you liked sitting at the kids' table or not, you saw that as you were second, or you were not at the first location. What does this require? He says, in the leader as one who serves. The one who serves is in a position of humility. Those who serve the people at the dining room table, those quote-unquote servants or bond servants, are those who are choosing to serve. Those who are choosing to take a posture of humility because Christ came to earth in a posture of great humility. The greatest humility. He was not born in a palace worthy of a king. He came to earth humbly, the small town of Bethlehem. And he was born, what, in a farm stable in a manger. I cannot think of a greater posture of humility to show all of mankind than that. To a carpenter's son to a lowly woman named Mary. God entered the world and became one of us to show us the way to reconcile us to God. And he illustrated by his manner of life, humility before God the Father and taking a posture of humility for one who is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And he says, for who is the greater, one who reclines at table or one who serves? Is there not the one who reclines at the table, but I am among you as the one who serves? Jesus affirms he's taking the posture of a servant, that everyone who follows Jesus ought and must take the posture of a servant. We must humble ourselves if we are to accept Christ 
as our Lord and our Savior. Because without humility, Jesus cannot be on the throne of your life. Skip down to verse 31. Jesus says, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you, that he might sift you like wheat. But I prayed for you that your faith may not fail. We have a real enemy, folks. We cannot forget that. We can never forget that. Sometimes we read about that in Scripture, depending on the passage. Not every single passage of Scripture mentions the evil one or mentions Satan. But I think about Matthew 4 with the temptation of Jesus and how Jesus was led out to the wilderness or the desert for 40 days, and he fasted prior to the start of his ministry. He was being tested. And he fasted to dedicate himself to the ministry. And that is when Satan came to tempt him with the things of this world. To detract him from his ministry. To, detra to detract him from giving glory to God the Father. And this is what we see here, too. He says, Satan demanded to have you, Simon, that he might sift you like wheat, but I prayed for you that your faith may not fail. Oh, folks, how we need prayer. We need to pray for ourselves and seek God's sustaining power in our faith. And we need to pray for other believers that their faith may not fail because we have an evil one, because there are demons working with the evil one. And because there are so many forces in this world seeking to distract us from being holy, from being set apart, from giving God the glory every single moment of every single day, because God is worthy. The first commandment. And Jesus says to Peter, and when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. Peter said to him, Lord, I'm ready to go with you both to prison and to death. Peter did not see or listen to Jesus, to Jesus' words right there. Jesus said, I pray that your faith may not fail. And yet Jesus also indicates in the very next sentence, and when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. He's telling Peter, you're going to trip up. And it's going to be very, very soon. And when you have come back to faith, lead and strengthen your brothers. And Peter says, Lord, I'm ready to go with you both to prison and to death. Peter doesn't know. Peter doesn't believe. Peter thinks that his faith is so strong that it will not fail. And Jesus says this. Not only did his faith fail, Jesus says, I tell you, Peter, the rooster will not crow this day until you have denied three times that you know me. Peter denied the Lord. Not once, not twice, but three times. That is the way the world operates, the pagan world. 
in the way that they live, in the way that they act, in so many of the movies and the television, just because that's been on my mind the last 24 hours, I bring that up again. The movies promulgate a pagan mindset. So much of Hollywood. So much of Hollywood. It's either about absolutely nothing, or it's about nothing that has any value, or it's about cursing our Lord God. Or it's about exhibiting and promoting sinfulness, which is against our God. They call it storytelling. Well, storytelling has been around since the beginning of mankind. But the greatest story far and away, and us Christians must Embrace this and believe this. The greatest story that you could ever know and that you could ever repeat and tell someone else is the story of our God. We have it right here in Scripture. We have it right here in the Holy Bible. This is what Jesus has done for us. This is what God has done for us throughout his Scripture, Old Testament, New Testament. This is the story of God's glory and God's magnificence that the world would repent from their sin and trust in Christ. And this story is greater than anything that you could ever read in a book. And this is greater than anything that you could watch in a movie or watch on television. This is greater because our God is greater. And our God is great. And our expectation of our life on earth must be in God's sustaining power. We cannot think like Peter did here, that we can sustain our faith alone by ourselves alone. That we are dependent rather on every single day on God's power. In every single day, on God's power. The same God who created us and who saved us also sustains us each day, every single day. You are living on earth. I am living on earth only by God's good pleasure and by God's sustaining power. And we are changed and we are renewed, and we are recreated, and we are sanctified by the work of the Holy Spirit in our life so that we are holy and that we are set apart every single day, and so that we do not live in pride, in opposition to God like this world. Oh, brothers and sisters, may all of us seek our Lord every single day to live in his power, to live for his glory and not for our glory, not for our pride, not for our fame, not for our greed. No. All of those are futile and all of those are temporary and all of those will burn when this life is over. But God's glory is eternal. And when we live in God's glory, then we live in the most fulfillment and the most satisfaction 
that we could ever have in this life. It is in God alone. It is by faith alone. In grace alone. By God alone and to God alone. Let's pray. Our loving God, the one who knows us, the one who knows when we are strong and when we are weak, the one who knows what we're going to do tomorrow, either to be strong in you or to be weak. Oh Lord, in your ever-loving patience, turn our hearts to you. Fill us up with your Holy Spirit that we might live for you, that we might embrace you more and more and more every single day, that we might run to your scripture, that it might not be something on a shelf, that it might not be something that sits idle, that it might not be a thought at the end of the day, but that this would be a priority in our life to wash ourselves in the word. That we are so immersed in your word, it is though we are washing ourselves in your word. That we are sloughing off the things of this world and that we are bathing ourselves in your scripture. That we are embracing the word of God because this is the word of God. And because we love you. And because there is no one greater than you, and there is no one worthy of our affections besides you. We pray this all in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen.